All right, folks, you win some, you lose some. As conservative Republicans, we lose a whole lot. We got Kevin McCarthy, a swamp creature who has been doing a phenomenal job as he is controlled by the MAGA America First Real Patriots in the Republican Party who didn't want another swamp creature, knew that they had to deal with Kevin and fought him for almost a week to make sure that he will in fact honor the MAGA America First true Republican agenda. So far, so good. But when it comes to the RNC chair, it's the swamp as usual. Mike Lindell received four votes. Harmeet Dillon received 51 votes, and Ronna McDaniel received 111 votes. So I'm pleased to announce Ronna McDaniel has been elected chairman of the Republican National Committee, and the gavel is yours. Congratulations. The RNC, like most of the Republican Party, doesn't represent Republicans, voters, and constituents. They represent the uniparty political class in D.C., and they are gatekeepers trying to keep out Trump, trying to keep out MAGA, trying to keep out America first, and the real things that we as conservatives and Republicans want. It had been reported previously that Ronald McDaniel didn't have enough votes to win, but apparently that wasn't the case. All right, folks, let's hit the introduction and get this Friday news party started. Welcome to Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on that notifications bell so you don't miss a thing. Welcome to Open Source News. My name is James, a.k.a. BCP. I made a very, very thorough episode breaking down all of the things that got released today, this morning. The release of the Paul Pelosi attack by David DePape, the security camera footage of the break-in of David DePape into the uh, Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi home, as well as breaking down the 911 call and how this whole thing is a Fed cover-up. How a lot of things don't make sense, how the Fed totally lied, the DOJ lied about what was on the body cam footage, and I broke it all down in about a 20 plus minute video. I put it up here on this platform and they dinged me for it. I don't want to have any issues with them, so I'm not making it a public video. But if you go over to uh, therealbcp.com, just go over there to therealbcp.com, join a community for free. And you'll be able to watch that not publicly available YouTube video. That video is here on YouTube. It's just not publicly available. But you can find it that I put up about an hour or two ago over at therealbcp.com. Also, this morning, there was an episode from Junior Rat on our sister channel, The BCP Report. Okay, let's get into the news. I'm going to be all over the place, folks, on this one. I apologize, but man, is this a wacky Friday. Let's start off with this, folks, to start off with some wackiness here. Joe Biden is departing the White House and traveling to Camp David, the presidential retreat in Maryland. But then he's leaving Camp David to go to his Delaware Wilmington home for just one night on Sunday. 
Now, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about it, and this is her answer. Is there a specific reason the president's leaving Camp David to go to Delaware just for that one night on I, Sunday? I don't have anything to, to preview about what he's going to be doing specifically. All I can tell you is that he's going to be leaving uh, Camp David and going to Wilmington, Delaware. Going to William, Delaware, the scene of a former, I mean, the, the, the scene of a crime from the former vice president who has documents, classified documents from his time, not just as a vice president, but all the way back as when he was a senator. Now, last night, he was asked during the White House event if his Rehoboth Beach House in Delaware would also be searched. And then Jill Biden put her hand in front of the press and ushered Joe Biden away. What a freaking clown show. A clown show that even the Democrats want to come to an end. And even Democrats are no longer denying and making excuses and lying about the cognitive issues and the mental capacity of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. According to a new Harvard-Harris 2024 survey, even the Democrats are questioning Biden's mental fitness for office. I mean, he is 80 years old, and it should come as no surprise, most men do retire by that age. But then you see people like President Trump, who are pretty sharp. But again, he is younger than Biden, but we be about Biden's age during his second term. So this is what Town Hall is reporting. Joe Biden is facing a series of tough patches as he enters his third year in the Oval Office, sparking concerns over his ability to govern the country from both sides of the political aisle. According to the Harris-Harvard 2024 survey, six in 10 respondents have doubts regarding Biden's mental capabilities, with 65% believing that the 80-year-old is too old to run the country. Nearly a quarter of those who say Biden is too old are Democrats, while 80% were Republicans and 67% were independents. So even a quarter of Democrats Democrats said no, and a huge majority of non-Democrats agree with this idea. And here is another example of why that is. So, as someone noted here, Cullen Leinbarger, the jokes just simply write themselves. So yesterday, Biden gave a press conference in Springfield, Virginia, talking about, uh, you know, how bad the Republicans are and everything from the economy, everything else is Republicans' fault. One of the congressmen, Don Bayer of Virginia, he's a representative, was there, obviously representative, he's a congressman. He was in attendance. His name is Don Bayer. Here is the dolt known as Joe Biden. I, uh, I said that uh, when I was seeking the nomination, I said, take a seat, everybody. And there wasn't a single chair in the place. And so that Biden really is stupid. He doesn't know. Where's Doug? Congressman. He's around here somewhere. 
can't make this up. He makes a joke about people thinking he's stupid. And then immediately following that, he calls for Doug. There is no Doug. The congressman's name is Don. But doesn't stop Joey. He goes for it a second time. Not a joke. And one more, I've been saying this during the last campaign, the off-year campaign. Doug knows. Don, look, here's the deal. Doug, uh, Doug, uh, Doug here's the deal. You, you, you know the thing. So he realizes that he's flubbing up. But no, he's Joe Biden. Third time to charm. You gotta go. You gotta. You gotta swing all three times to get a strikeout. Doug, I think you might have been with me when I invited the, the chairman of the board of the three major automobile companies in America. Yeah, his name is Don, not Doug. I guess he didn't have his earpiece in, so his handlers could correct him. But folks, this idiocy is everywhere. You see leftists. This is all starting to make sense, folks. Low IQ people are easily controlled, as well as people who have age-inappropriate proclivities, drug addicts, and other scoundrels and ne'er-do-wellers. TDS is absolutely amazing. Here is uh, Fox News reporting on an MSNBC panel and how they were melting down over Facebook's devil's bargain, quote, close quote, with Trump and how him being allowed back on Facebook will result in the end of democracy. Now, this is Morning Joe. They had Lincoln Project's co-founder, George Conway, historian John Meekham, and left-wing Times editorial board member Mara Gay. Okay, this is the New York Times, which we know has TDS. Listen to this. An important point, I think some of this probably is reaction to criticism that they've received, trying to be balanced while he is running for president. We've got to give him another chance. We don't want to be attacked by conservatives as being anti-Trump and all the rest of it. So it's always being attacked by conservatives and Trump. How about a small thing called the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States? Freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Clearly, some of that factors into this as well. I, as though you can satisfy that part of the country or the electorate. Um, you know, I think that's a fool's errand as well. But John has made a good point too here, which is that uh, you don't want to, uh, whether you're a company or an institution, you don't want to hand over the keys um, to democracy to have someone destroy that democracy. Do so President Trump being on Facebook is a destruction to democracy. Now, remember, these are code words, folks. When they say our democracy, they're not talking about our democracy. They're talking about their democracy where they get to do whatever they want. It's a code word, folks. Don't fall for it. So do you want to be that institution that uh, really helps take down the country? I mean, this is a this is a business. So yeah. Do you want to be part of the institution that takes down the country? Wow. By the way, folks, 
MSNBC doesn't care if you're stupid as long as you toe the line and give the false narrative. Uh, we laughed at this back in 2020. But you see it as a possibility if he wants to spend a billion bucks beating this guy, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. I got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads. U.S. population, $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. Yeah. Oh, man, these people stupid. There's $327 million, And this is uh, Bloomberg, you know, a couple years ago, $500 million. Uh, that would be $1.53 per person. They literally do not know math. They're like, oh, there's 500 million people. A million people could have given a million dollars. And even goes, if you if you beat us on the math. Anyway, that's the same Mara Gay. She was dumb in 2020, and she continues to be done today. Please, folks, while I'm doing this, if you haven't done so yet, please hit the like button. Share the link to this video on social media. Hit the notification bell and leave a comment down below. Your engagement with this video helps us with the YouTube algorithm. Okay, well, let's get let's get into some good news here. The Congress has secured finally some cooperation from the National Archives in their Biden document probe. House Republicans on Thursday secured their first cooperation from the National Archives to gain information about the classified documents found in Joe Biden's Delaware home and former Washington, D.C. think tank. You know, the money laundering scheme in which the Chinese put $54 million of anonymous money to build this UPenn Biden Center, of which Biden was made a professor who never taught but got a million dollars. And then that's where some documents were, of course. Many of us thinking that's where the Chinese could come by and stop by and take a look-see. So anyway, there had been a stalemate uh, over the growing scandal and James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, um, asking for these documentation. But he has just told uh, Justin News that his committee will be interviewing National Archives top lawyer Gary Stern this coming Tuesday to get answers about what document documents were located, where they were located, and who may have had access to them. The answers James Comer is probably going to get is, I can't tell you right now because it's under an FBI investigation. I can't tell you exactly where they were located because it's under an FBI um, investigation. And probably I can't tell you who had access to them because this is currently a an FBI or DOJ investigation. But James Comer will, of course, and the committee asking these questions. Comer says that they have finally agreed to come in and sit down for a transcribed interview. So we will be able to have a formal interview. We're going to ask them all the questions that everyone in America wants answered, and hopefully they'll provide those answers. Comer had uh, gotten a cool response from the White House and Justice Department in his initial request for information. Of course, that's a stark contrast to last fall when the uh, Biden administration leaked all kinds of details about President Trump and his Mar-a-Lago fiasco. Anyway, here's... Uh, 
um, 57 minute, uh, 57 minute, 57 second clip of Comer talking to Amanda Head and John Solomon over at Just the News about this situation. Expect to get the answers that you need, or do you expect to have to press even more after this transcribed interview? Well, we'll see how the interview goes, but we're going to ask questions that we all want to know. We're going to ask about uh, what kind of documents are we talking about here uh, with respect to Biden, Pence, and, and even Trump? Uh, why was there such a difference in how the Trump document case was handled versus how the Biden case was handled? Uh, we want to know who had access to those documents. We're going to remind them that we have a very serious Biden family influence peddling investigation going on. And we're very concerned about who, not only who had access to those documents, but whether or not those documents uh, ended up in the hands of our adversaries around the world, especially those who were involved in some of the Biden influence peddling schemes. So we have a lot of very important questions and, and hopefully we'll get some answers next week. And an interviewer. Yeah, hopefully. I like James Comer's uh, optimism. I don't share that same optimism. Besides being an, an influence peddler and a peddler of classified information to foreign forces, or so it appears, Joe Biden has also absolutely decimated the economy and the, the numbers are out. Why this isn't the front page news, I would, I, I would say I don't understand why, but of course... It is all propaganda. Real disposable income saw its worst drop in 2022 since the Great Depression. Since 1932 to be exact. Real disposable income fell by over 6% and a trillion dollars. Putting it in context. Second worst drop in real disposable income ever behind the Great Depression year of 1932. Should be... Headline news, Fox News is covering it, saying it, saying perhaps the most troubling is the precipitous drop of real disposal income, which fell over $1 trillion in 2022. To keep up with inflation, co consumers are depleting their savings and burning through the stimulus checks they received during 20 and 2021. Credit card debt continues growing while savings plummeted $1.6 trillion last year, falling below 2009 levels. As consumers continue depleting cash reserves and borrowing costs are high, the growth in the consumer spending will keep slowing. The growth in consumer spending will keep slowing. Since that accounts for roughly two-thirds of GDP, this doesn't bode well for the economy. So if you want to put this in real terms of how much the American consumer and their families are feeling, the average family has lost about $6,000 in annual purchasing power under Joe Biden. And if you think about that, that's about $500 a month and $500 a month, less than $500 a month is actually where millions of people go from barely going, getting by to being homeless and bankrupt. So higher interest rates have increased annual borrowing costs by $1,400. Okay. $1,400 in higher borrowing costs, eating into the $6,000 in annual purchasing power that has been lost by the average American family. All right, folks, starting to make sense now. Starting to make sense now. We're getting a, a, a lot more information, and we've known these in isolated cases, 
but we're starting to see a very huge trend here. We, do you realize that a majority of those that were detained from Antifa and the riot in Atlanta are literally spawns and white children of privilege. After the recent arrest of the adult child, the Democrat representative Catherine Clark for Antifa-related crimes in Boston, people have been looking at the far-left group and noticing that many of their members are young white people from privileged backgrounds. So, for instance, Riley Dowell, who is 23 years old, is the son of Democrat Catherine Clark. I thought Riley was a girl. Or, yeah, I guess she's a boy, but she's a girl. The House Antifa whip accuses painting all cops are bastards on Boston Common Monument and punching a cop during arrest. Okay, so here's PJ Media's breakdown. We've already learned that the vast majority of the Antifa insurrectionists who terrorized Atlanta over the weekend and have occupied the future site of a public safety training facility for months came from nowhere near Atlanta. But the more we learn about the Antifa criminals who attacked cops and did damage all over downtown Atlanta, we realize these aren't oppressed minorities rising up against the system. It turns out the Atlanta terrorists are largely children of immense privilege. And here are some examples. Francis Carroll, who tried to light a police cruiser on Saturday night. He's 22 years old and he hails from Kennebunkport, Maine. Yeah, the same place that is home to the Bush family compound. And he's the scion of a multi-million dollar family that owns a yacht and he lived in his parents' mansion before coming to Atlanta to wreak havoc. So, whatever brainwashing they do there, and then they set him out. Now, the great Andy No, the New York Post reported that Carroll was among six people arrested and charged with domestic terrorism, aggravated assault, and other crimes on December 13th, following a string of property attacks around the area a carjacking, and assaults on officers. They were all bailed out by activists who crowdfunded their legal defense using Twitter. You see how in, on Twitter, which I'm still not on Twitter, I, I'm not holding my breath, it's going to happen at this point. Everyone else gets kicked off, but Marxists are able to fundraise. Then there's uh, Serena Hurdall. She's an Idaho native. She graduated from $82,000 a year Pitzer College in Claremont, California. $82,000 a year. Now she's facing domestic terrorism, aggravated assault, and criminal trespass in Atlanta. There's James Ivan Ferguson. Great name. Great middle name. Ivan Scott. He's a 23-year-old Nevada native who plays the clarinet and has performed with orchestras up and down the West Coast. But he's thrown all that away to interfere with the safety of a city thousands of miles away and on the opposite coast from where he is. By the way, he also studied at the very swanky San Francisco Conservatory of Music. Over and over again. Andy No pointed out four of the six domestic terrorist suspects accused of trying to burn down parts of downtown Atlanta last weekend at an Antifa riot have been denied bail due to their flight risks. 
because they're rich and privileged. They said, no, no, no bail. They'll skip town if we get it. Now, the ones that were given bail, there was two of the six. They had their uh, $355,000 bail bail covered. All makes sense when these privileged kids are the ones doing it because they know there'll be no consequences. And by the way, Joey Biden isn't the only one with some loose marbles. I don't mean to be disparaging here. There's something a little bit off about Marianne Williamson. Remember her? She's the uh, progressive Democrat that, at least during the primaries, made Joe Biden seem like a staunch centrist. Well, according to Breitbart News, she is headed to uh, New Hampshire and there's speculation growing regarding her putting her name in the hat and running against Joey. If she does that, then that's going to make the 2024, if Joey makes it that far, if he actually doesn't resign or get kicked to the curb before then, it'll make for interesting information and coverage. But let's say it's not Joe Biden. Well, her running against, I don't know, Kamala Harris perhaps, as she tries to perhaps come back into the Oval Office. Well, then that's going to be interesting. Marianne Williamson and Kamala Harris, get your popcorn ready. What I think is going to happen is They want Kamala Harris to control her for 10 years. The rules are you can't be a president for more than 10 years. And how it works is you can be a year a president for four years, get re you can get uh, be reelected for another four years, and that's eight. But if you are a vice president and your president whom you serve under has done a majority or more than half of their presidency and by death or something like that, a vice president comes in and is in office for less than two years, then they can still run again for president for four years and then one more time so that they don't have a maximum of 10 years. And I think that's what they're trying to do with Kamala Harris. What are your thoughts? Put it down below. As you can see, my video went up very late today because my intended video was, uh, I, I don't want to make it publicly available and have issues with YouTube. Once again, if you go over to therealbcp.com, you'll be able to see and find the link to that video. Until much later or tomorrow, ciao, goodbye, God bless.